Things Girlfriends Share. Welcome to Girlfriend It, hosted by women for women on a variety of topics most relevant to our daily lives. Weekly, we have incredible, inspiring, and influential guests as we explore everything from why ambitious women don't quite reach their full potential to how we deal with the dailiness of life. Together, we will hear compelling stories of other individuals in hopes of one thing. How do we get to know ourselves? All right. Welcome to Girlfriend It. This is Patty Lynn Wyatt with the Girlfriends. And lean in because we are so excited. We have, we're, we're actually just in awe because she's a psychologist, author, professor at Penn State University, Megan Owens, and wow. she's the co-founder and writer of the popular parenting website, Screen Free Parenting. So welcome, 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 Megan. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. I'm doing great. Well, Megan, you're a regular speaker. Uh, you're the expert on the topic of children's screen time. So uh, we just want to hear, like, tell us about your pain point, that breaking point where you said enough, 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 enough. I'm going to be an advocate. I'm going to do something about this because I I hear you. I, I'm blown away. And sometimes I just feel old because I can't. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go back. I know. Thank you, Dan. Um, I want to go back when I first saw this happening. I was at Cheesecake Factory and I was there for dinner with my family. And there was this really famous diamondback baseball player. He was sitting there with his darling, cute little blonde wife and their two kids. And I thought, oh, they're being so good. And, you know, Cheesecake Factory has those big, you know, booths. And as I got up to go to the restroom, they were on their, they were each on their own tablet. <laughs> And I was just shocked. I couldn't believe that family time was okay. We're gonna eat dinner, but you two and you know, I'm I'm judging. It could it, it could have been their date night, and instead of getting right. a babysitter, they decided to do that. But then it became more and more and more apparent that that is just what we do when we're parenting. We give them their tablet, and we're good to go. So, what was your pain point? Tell us your story here. I think that for me. Um... Screen time has been placed as this this issue between moms. It's like a a mommy war thing, and if you you do it, maybe um, you feel shameful or guilty if you're the parent who is has their kid on watching the tablet while you're pushing the grocery cart around. Um, and if you don't do it, then you're you're some sort of better than everybody else person, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's sort of like how we've been pitted against each other. And I feel like as soon as we got into that conflict, we lost sight of what the real battle was there, mm-hmm. um, which is that the platforms, the games and the applications are persuasively designed by a bunch of psychologists like me so that your kid cannot put it down. I mean, actually, all of us cannot put it down once we get looped into it. Right. So it is designed that way. And that is so different from how screen media was originally designed for children. I mean, Sesame Street was like the original program designed for the preschool set. And it was really designed with the idea of like going out, what's going on in your community, what's going on outside. It was on for the set time. The kids were kind of motivated to do something after they watched Sesame Street, because that's what was going on Mm -hmm. in Sesame Street. Alternatively, imagine Sesame Street is like auto playing 
Um, you know, and like they have these story arcs that make it impossible for you to watch just one episode of Sesame Street. You know, it's just the way yeah. that it's designed today makes it so hard for parents to limit. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. And and what they have found, I mean, research with screen time, um, I, I'm going to mess up this research so <laughs> you can you can correct me. But I recently okay. heard that one thing that they 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 did is they had a teacher and a student um, and they they hooked him up where the teacher had to shock the student, like literally electrocute him and they could see and hear the pain and, and visually see them. And they kept telling him, nope, keep going. But the student was actually a scientist, but the teacher didn't know that. Uh, and as they kept going, they only did it like 30%. And they, they were like, no, 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 I'm not going to hurt the student anymore. Then they took away the visual, but they could hear them. And then it went up like 50, 60%. And then when they took away all of it, and all they could do was keep being told, keep shocking them every time the student answers incorrectly, keep oh, shocking yeah. them. And then oh, they said, oh. yeah, just keep going, keep going. And then they said, okay, the, they're almost dead, but you have to keep going. It is imperative that you keep going. And then they go, okay, you killed them. And the first question was, am I going to get in trouble? Am I, am I going to be charged a murder? And how different it is when you have a screen where you can't hear, you can't see this individual, and then we can't figure out why we're living in a very lonely, isolated world. Uh, that research just really hit my soul that that is what these kids there's no empathy there's no relationship there's no connection with what they're doing mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's a very very old research study that you find like in in most psych 101 textbooks um and i never really thought about it patty related to screen time because that wasn't what it was about but you're mm -hmm. right you can totally apply that idea to not being able to see the individual, which is what everybody does when they're commenting or messaging right, right. Um, online. And but the, the good thing is that you can rebound it from it really quickly. Your kid can rebound from it really quickly. So if you're listening and you feel like, oh, my kid, I, I'm that family. I'm at the Cheesecake Factory mm -hmm. or <laughs> my kid has done those things. Um, there's, there's research studies where they've taken kids out um, into the wilderness to ca summer camp for five days and they don't let them have their phones and they match those with teens who just stayed in regular life and so you know essentially the phone was connected to their eyeballs directly all day long um, and just after five days the kids who were at the camp were better um, at identifying people's emotional states mm. they gave them the pre-test and the post-test and they did it with the control group and so just five days of interacting with people and not having the phone around and not being distracted by it and pulled into it. Um, and there was an improvement in their social skills. Mm -hmm. So you can make a change, you can turn it around. Mm -hmm. So what are some of the negative associations uh, that we see with, with screen time in young children? Well, what are you really finding there? I love mnemonic devices. I don't know if that's because I'm a college professor, but that's, <laughs> I love talking about screen time with mnemonic devices. So we talk about on our website, SWAT the screen time, which stands for sleep, wait, attention, aggression, and talking. So when we're talking about little kids, those are five um, really strong negative associations that we see with excessive recreational screen time. That means that your under five is using it for more than an hour a day for solely for entertainment, right? For like 
watching cartoons or playing games. Um, they're more likely to go to sleep later and they have a shorter overall sleep time, mm. right? Um, weight, there's multiple associations with weight and that's predictive of weight into adulthood. And that makes sense because when they're sitting with a screen, if your five-year-old sitting with a screen, they're sedentary. And if your five-year-old is not sitting with a screen, they are the opposite of sedentary, <laughs> you know, bouncing around yeah. all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, there's an association with attention, which is the one that I am really interested in, um, that we can look at screen time at, in three-year-olds, and it's predictive of attention problems and behavior problems in school at age seven. Wow. Um, and some of that has to do with how quick the screen shifts, um, how quickly they get rewards and games and applications for doing little things, little dopamine hits, and then Real life is so much slower. Learning to tie your shoes is slower. The teacher is slower. Mom is slower. And so that looks a lot like attention problems, right? When you're predisposed to expect things to happen so quickly and be so rewarding all the time. Um, If media content is is violent or aggressive, which a lot of kids' programming is um, actually more violent than than adult programming, then you can expect that the child has more aggressive thought and that they're more desensitized um, to to violent imagery. And then language acquisition, which this is, I mean, I remember when before my kids started talking, that is you want to know like what's going on, what's wrong, what do you want, right? And so you want you you want them to talk as soon as possible. Um, And there was a recent study that showed for each 30 minutes the kid had with a handheld device, so basically like mom's phone most of the time, um, there was a 49% increase in them having an expressive language delay. So lots of research showing, you know, trying, programs have tried to show, hey, we can teach your baby to talk. The reality is they've been sued in class action lawsuits and they can't teach your baby to talk. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. when they are playing with the screen, mom and your mom is not talking to you. You're not making utterances back to mom as baby. And that's how language develops. Wow. Okay. Megan like, said so many things there that I, I keep wanting to go, whoa, wait. Uh, <laughs> but let's just start basically tying your shoe. And my poor child, she always gets thrown under the bus. So I'm going to say, I have a friend right? <laughs> um, no, my, my littlest one, which I didn't even have the smartphone then to give to her, but apparently she had a little bit too much screen time because she was not tying her shoe. And I used to think it was just because I got her the Velcro ones because I didn't want to teach her how to tie her shoe. Yeah. But literally, I want to say she was in second, third, I don't know, maybe junior high when <laughs> she, her shoe wasn't tied. And the teacher was like, Paris, tie your shoe. You're going to trip. And, you know, the deer in the headlights where she just kind of, you know, and so a friend got down and started tying her shoe. And the teacher was like, don't tie her shoe. She can tie her own shoe. <laughs> so she was completely humiliated because I had never taught her to, I, I, I don't know how it slipped my mind, but now I can blame it on screen time, not <laughs> so anywhere I can point the f- finger there, we're, we're good to go. And then the other thing is, is speech. You're right. She was my third child. And we kept thinking this child is never going to talk. And I thought it was because her older siblings were doing all the talking and all she'd have to do is, you know, ah, 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 and they would sure. get what she wanted. <laughs> but wow, that the research is showing that. Uh, Megan, is it showing just uh, on handheld, like now, internet type of thing, or is it also, are we talking TV, movies, 
talking the whole yeah, for, for language acquisition, we're talking any form of screen time because what's happening then, even if it's not baby screen time, let's say there's lots of parents, you know, with little kids being home can feel isolating. And so they like to have the TV on in the background, right, for background noise. That has an association with language development because when mom has or dad has or grandma has the TV on in the background, they're not talking. And kids are wired to learn language through a real live human who's talking. Mm -hmm. um, and there's been, this is one of the areas that I get frustrated with because a lot of parents got pulled into baby media from baby Einstein, mm -hmm. all these programs that said, you know, here we're going to make your kid into Einstein, show them this, you know, this video, which if you've watched a baby Einstein video, they are incredibly discombobulating. It's like millions of different little pictures of things on the farm really quickly happening. And um, parents who watch that, who whose kids watch them say they love them. They learn so much from them. They love them. Research shows they are not learning from them. So parents believe it's happening because the kid looks like they're attending so well. They're so focused. Um, and we're talking about like 18 month old babies here. Um, but they're they're attending because they can't figure out what's happening. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Is it true that wherever um, you are, so for instance, I have a three-month-old granddaughter that my, my daughter-in-law makes her, will turn her completely away from the TV because the two-year-old watches some cartoons, but they're just little cartoons. But she said, the doctor said, it's moving too fast for a three-month-old, even if it's just a slow little cartoon. Is that, is that true? Yes, and that's a very smart move. So one thing that we know with babies is that they're very poor at regulating their own nervous system. Um, so you might remember your own kids or your grandkids that um, I, this would happen with my daughter when she was little, where they like something and then they're laughing and then the laughing gets a little maniacal and then they start crying, right? Because they literally can't turn, they can't like direct their attention away from something. And so that's turning the baby physically away from the screen is a great idea if it's on and an older kid is using it appropriately, but it's just not appropriate for the baby at that point. Mm -hmm. Wow. And what about, okay, so in a nine-year-old boy, really to try and get him off of PlayStation or whatever, which by the way, it's so interesting to me that we are, um, well, not, but we girlfriends are in a finger. We are the finger generation with, um, you know, with your phone and with your iPad and everybody else since us is a thumb generation because like, I don't know, Sherry, can you, are you very quick at, with your <laughs> iPhone being able to do it with your thumb? And uh, no, no, I, yeah, I'm slow. Yeah, I know. I just think that's so interesting. But anyway, um, a, a nine-year-old boy who's on his video games and PlayStation all day long, um, is the older they get, does it get not as hard on their brain so it's okay? Or is there always an issue? There's always going to be an issue. So there was recently um, a research study that was done in California. They followed several thousand teenagers um, over the span of two years. And they looked at the teenagers who were high users of multiple platforms. Okay, so they're, they're frequently gaming, they're frequently using social media. They screened out the teenagers who qualified for diagnoses of ADHD at the start of the study. And then those high users at the end of two years were more likely to have symptoms of attention issues and impulse control issues. Mm -hmm. So it's something, I mean, our 
our brains are plastic. They're much more plastic when we are babies. And so that's why it's really important to delay the introduction to screens if we can. Um, but limits are going to be important all throughout childhood. Limits are going to be important for adults. We There are adults who, and it tends to be more likely to be males, um, who are very addicted to video games, to online gaming, which is recognized as a disorder by the World Health Organization. Females tend to have more difficulty with social media is what the research shows. Um, but, you know, adults need limits too. Now, once we're over the age of 25, we have a fully developed brain. We can say like, hey, I need some limits. I'm spending too much time doing X, Y, or Z, and we can do it. Um, kids can't, but even adults were fighting persuasive design. So we are, these, the, the designer of the video game does not have the nine-year-old's best interest at heart, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. and, yeah. yeah. Well, Megan, that, I mean, I'm just kind of depressed. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, luckily, well, not luckily. So, yes, when my boys were, you know, little, there there weren't cell phones, there weren't tablets, there, there wasn't that stuff. There was introduction to the PS2 and the Xbox and that stuff. But I'm thinking I watch the young moms and I see that technology all around me. I mean, what would you recommend for parents how do you go forward and live in this world? Because I can remember the cell phone being introduced and my boys were probably like, you know, elementary school. And there was a big debate on, wow, are you going to, is your kid going to get a phone? I don't know. What do you think? So that was the big discussion, elementary school, junior high. And so you were able to hold it off really until junior high, high school. But I see them younger and younger. I I can't imagine the pressure because there is enormous pressure around you for them to be technically savvy, to have the screen. So how? what would you recommend to parents? How do they replace that screen time? Yeah, well, what I, I feel like there's a lot of good questions in there. So one thing is you wanna delay as long as you can. So research also shows that the, going back to really little kids, um, the earlier their introduction is to regular screen time, the more like the, the more they protest when you try to turn it off at later ages. Um, so like, let's get as much brain development and as much development of their own interests and hobbies and all that sort of stuff in there before we introduce this as a way of having fun. Um, so if, delay as long as you can, and that's relevant to the phone stuff too. And there are organizations that are helping parents with this. You know, there's the wait until eighth movement for phones that parents can join in their area and get together with other moms and dads and say, hey, we're all going to wait, right? And maybe that makes it easier for families. There's another organization called Concord Promise. I think they switched their name now to Turning Life On that I've worked with. And they do the same thing. They try to get families together to together say, hey, we're all waiting, right? Because that makes it a little bit easier to have that conversation with your, with your teen then. Um, we've been talking a lot about maybe some problems that there are with the screen itself, right? So it is too fast moving or it's aggressive and that can cause a problem. But some of the problems with screen time have nothing to do with the screens. It's just that they're taking up so much time mm -hmm. that they're edging out all, all this other stuff that is really good for kids. And so maybe the kid is watching like super educational programming and like it's all positive stuff but they have less time for all these things that are associated with a really good life. Um, and so I use a mnemonic for that too. So lots of research shows us that the things that we can do to spoil our children is the mnemonic and it stands for social activities, play, outdoor time, independent work like chores and homework and literacy-based activities that they're reading and being read to. Um, 
all of those are kind of the antidote to screen time. As we get into teenagers, the more time they spend with screens when they're they're really high, they're more likely to be depressed, to be anxious, to have self-esteem problems. Well, switching over to the spoil system, you know, the more they are involved with their church, the more face-to-face -face interactions they have in terms of social, that's less of a problem. So this really gives us a way to um, intervene, right? So it's not just about less screens. It's about, mm -hmm. hey, what do, if you have older kids, hey, what do you not have time to do? What do we, what makes you feel really good that you want to do more of? And maybe that's sports, maybe that's outdoors and hiking, maybe that's singing with the choir, whatever it is, how do we prioritize those activities? And that can naturally edge out the screen time, mm -hmm. but also it's counteracting it because those are things that make the kids feel good. They develop their attention. They develop their relationships. It's all is I had the conversation with my nine-year-old grandson this past weekend and I said what is your favorite thing in the whole world to do what what could we do together and he said do you want to play a game <laughs> he has two games like a gaming game on his screen and by, by playing with him he means just sit and watch him do it <laughs> thing. Yeah. what yeah. about um what about the eyes is this I mean, it's got to be affecting the eyes. Now they're coming in with these blue, blue glasses, which I need. I'm on, I'm on my computer all day long. Yeah, yeah. There's, and that's part of the way in Maryland they're trying to pass legislation for kids and schools to limit uh, the total screen time because of the eye issues. There's so many more children who are having eye issues, and there's lots of little rules. Like for every 20 minutes you look at the screen, you should look 20 feet away for 20 seconds and all these different things to try to help with eye health. But obviously the solution is that we really need to give kids lots of time off the screen. And so um, whenever I see something that kids could be doing off screen, but they're doing on screen instead, like reading a book, like mm -hmm. I get it, the Kindle is lighter, right? But mm -hmm. Get, get a physical book, right? Because they have so much time on the screen to begin with that if there's something that we can do, parallel activity that we can do that's off the screen, let's let's let them give their eyes a break for that reason. And our eyes are the only part of our body that's really like, it's our nervous system is completely open to the world. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that makes a big difference if they're constantly looking at an electronic screen. You talked about blue light, which has a relationship with sleep. And so we're trying to find ways to, you know, put filters on our phones and things. But the, the real answer is don't be on your screens within two hours of bedtime. Don't let your kids and try to reduce their total time so that they're out in nature. There, you know, some evidence that um, being in nature is restorative for our eye health for a variety of reasons. And so that's that spoil system like. Yes, I'll play a video game with you, but let's set a timer for 20 minutes. And then and then what else do you really like to do that we can do afterwards? Yeah. Well, it's interesting because when you're um, talking about kids, I'm over here going, I'm in that same place. And what's sad is I, I was so big on, you know, be the role model, show them that you're not on, you know, your computer all the time. And now with Zoom, for, you know, every kid is on Zoom and they're watching yeah. their parents on Zoom. And even when I'm, you know, teaching, I see little two-year-olds coming out and their face pops into the, their parents' computer and they're trying to hustle their kid away and they're giving them, literally showing them, you know, get on this channel here on your tablet. Mm -hmm. And so we, now we have a whole household of modeling. We're staring at the screen all day. And th that, I, I just... 
you don't even know the answers there because we're we're having to work and they're having to be doing school and I, I man I get sad because I know my own uh my littlest she's at ASU and I'll walk by she was in the dorm right total connections relationships and now she's stuck in her room um watching zoom and she's a gamer so she's playing a game while she's listening to her professor on on zoom and she'll have a movie going on some other tablet you know and i'm thinking what how do you even do that yeah and then, you know we know you can't multitask but that's the world of their adhd life that they're they're living and it's hard because I keep telling myself, she's an adult. She would be at, at ASU right now in a dorm. I wouldn't even know that she's on 5,000 screens. And so you're trying to just look at it as I'm a roommate. And as a roommate, I care about your screen time. <laughs> Man, you're trying to do this. So what would you suggest there? Except Yeah, that, that is tough. And I, I'm teaching college students at Penn State and we're on Zoom because um, that's the safest way to to teach them right now. Um, and I am so looking forward to going back. And I think a really positive thing is that the students are really looking forward to going back too. Yeah. And I have a lot of empathy for them. I can't imagine being a freshman or a sophomore in college in particular and going to class from my bed. I, I don't think I would have stayed awake. I wouldn't have, there's, there's, I don't think I would have paid attention. Um, so I really, and like, I have a doctorate. I liked school, right? Like I went for a really long time and like, I don't think I would have succeeded in that model. Um, so I really, really have a lot of empathy for them. I think one thing that we can do is emphasize that we need to balance that screen time with off screen time. So we, and my family, we turn everything off on Friday night for like a tech Sabbath from Friday night through for the summer when I wasn't teaching, we would do it the whole weekend. So we wouldn't turn anything on until Sunday night. Um, now I do it all day Saturday because teaching online, a lot of assignments, the way that it works tends to be due on Sundays. And so I kind of need to be yeah. in there checking and making sure that, that the students are not having trouble. Um, but even just 24 hours, um, if you can do that with, with teens or even five, six hours, right, with adults. Like Saturday afternoon is our time. We're going to be totally screen-free. And it's amazing when you are totally screen-free for a day, the different things that come to your mind that you want to do and how much more relaxed you feel uh, and how much more restored you feel the next day in terms of your attention. And you, you know, I always have a notepad out on Saturdays and I'm jotting things down um, about, look this up. I don't need to look it up. But Sunday comes around and I didn't need to look it up, but I would have. And that would have pulled me away from my kids and my husband and what I was doing today. Um, And I I think that's a great, that's been a great practice for me personally. I love it. I think no matter how old our kids are, that's a great practice to, like Patty said, there's no phones allowed at your ta- at her table. Well, I love yeah. the concept of there's no phones allowed, period. Another sister-in-law of mine, you have to, she's got a cage when you walk in her door and yeah. it says deposit phone here. And you do. And you, we all do because we're afraid of her anyway, <laughs> but we all do. <laughs> so, and I love that. But if you're here to see me, you're here to see me. And I don't care about your girlfriend from sixth grade who's on Facebook right now. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's modeling. So my kids don't have their own devices, but we make a big deal about like, oh, it's, it's screen free Saturday. I can't put on music for you. Cause that might be something they ask us for, you know, can you play music? I can't, we have to get the CD player out. I can't play music. Cause it's, we put our phones away on Saturdays. Yeah. Um, and I think about, I mean, it's, I, I would do it anyways, because I like it, but at five and eight, if they grow up with that, right. For the next 10 years, then I think it would be a normal practice for them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay, Megan, there, there's so much there. Um, I don't like to say I feel really guilty right now because I think moms do guilt well, but <laughs> I, I'm like in this yeah. game spiral right now because your whole tech Sabbath, I'm going, I can't do it. <laughs> so panic. Oh, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. You wait. Wait. <laughs> Find us on Facebook at Girlfriend It, hit subscribe to iTunes or toginet.com. Close your eyes and imagine living your life without limits. Where would you go? Who would you meet? What would you do? During an Uncover Your Hidden Genius session, you will discover what's keeping you from living your life with purpose, passion, and fulfillment of your potential. You'll get a clear vision of the steps you need to take to uncover your hidden genius so that you can live a life without limits. Sessions can be done over the phone, Skype, or in person. Find out more at www.JoyceBufordEmpowers.com or by calling 903-287-0747. Congratulations on getting your book published. The effort you put into your work is truly commendable. But what's next? What will happen to all the knowledge you have worked so hard to acquire to produce your book? Here at Toginet Radio, we can provide you a platform to keep your knowledge working for you through the power of podcast. The subjects our podcasts cover are as varied as the grains of sand on a beach. From life coaching to military resources to business success, even to the paranormal. We have a place for everyone. To get started on your next step, call Scott at 903-787-5880 or email him at scott at toginetradio.com. That's S-C-O-T-T at T-O-G-I-N-E-T-R-A-D-I-O dot com. Girlfriend Share. Welcome to Girlfriend It, hosted by women for women on a variety of topics most relevant to our daily lives. Weekly, we have incredible, inspiring, and influential guests as we explore everything from why ambitious women don't quite reach their full potential to how we deal with the dailiness of life. Together, we will hear compelling stories of other individuals in hopes of one thing. How do we get to know ourselves? Girlfriend, I'm Patty Lynn Wyatt with the Girlfriends, and we have psychologist, author, and professor at Penn State University, Megan Owens, on with us today. She's the co-founder and writer of the popular parenting website, Screen Free Parenting, and we went into the commercial break talking about uh, Tech Sabbath, 
And um, now I, I literally went into a hot flash thinking that I'd have to go 24 hours without being on my phone. But Megan, I, I so appreciate that because um, it, it, would, it forces you to, uh, I, I'm getting into the habit that even when I'm watching a movie with my husband, I, if I get a lull in the show, I check my phone and the next thing I know, it's like, oh, there's Facebook and oh, you know, oh, there's a video on, I'm going to watch that for 30 (laughs) seconds. And my my hubby will say, do you want to, do you want to watch another movie? Are you not, (laughs) is this not engaging (laughs) enough for you, Patty? And I'm like, no, no, no. But I, I mean, I'm, I'm looking back going, it's probably Every time we watch it, he's asking me, do you want to watch something else? Because obviously you're bored. And I just, I'm turning into my, my 19 year old child where, oh no, I can multitask, but I think I'm going to get one more email done, one Mm -hmm. more, you know, little response. So then I don't have so much to do tomorrow. And what you're losing there is that white space, like you said, note taking. And that is when I find, when I go to bed at night, all of a sudden it's flooding with just thoughts and I get on my phone and I dictate into my phone, but that's because I didn't give myself any of that white space during the day or I get in the shower because you can't have any, you know, computers in the shower and all of these thoughts bombarding. And it's because you're finally giving yourself that white space. So I can't imagine what 24 hours will do. And I can't, I can't take credit for that. There's several pastors um, and religious leaders that have talked about that for years. I read last year, the book 24 six by Tiffany Schlein, and she talks all about how to do this, you know, and that's so silly mm. that we need a book about how to do this, but we really do. Yeah. I mean, it's the same thoughts, Patty, before I started it of how, no, wait, but what if, but mm-hmm. how am I going to, but wait, you know, and, and once I've done it and gotten into the practice of it, I love it. And what you said about white space is what I think is so important for kids because we have more kids who are having trouble falling asleep at night. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that is because every time they're bored or dysregulated, we use the screens as a way of managing that. And so there is no white space. And so then when they lay down at night, they get flooded, I think, in the same way you do. It's not about how to, you know, what do I have to do? But maybe it's about, like, what happened, you know, everything they're processing and they're not used to that feeling of just sitting there and having that come to them. Um, Whereas when we didn't have the iPads and we didn't have the phones to give them and there was just one TV in the living room and, it, you know, shows were on at a certain time and there were commercials, they got little bitty exposures to that all day long. We're at the grocery store and mom is checking out. She can't pay attention to me white space, you know, where yeah. you know, mom's in the shower, she can't pay attention to me, I'm yelling, white space, you know, and so I like sort of learn how to deal with this. So when I go down to bed at night, I, I yeah, white space, you know, like I know nobody's paying attention to me and I know how to deal with it. Um, and so kids are going to bed with the iPad watching a show to fall asleep because they don't, they haven't had exposure to dealing with that white space. I think that's like, that's just like the perfect thing to call it, Patty. I love that. That, that, that's not mine either. There's a whole, <laughs> okay, real quick, cause Sherry, I know you have something to say. There's a, uh, remember Candid Camera? Oh yeah. Candid Camera. Loved, 
Love that show. So his daughter now does, I want to say it's whitespace.com. And she literally gives you tips on how to put white space. So I, I go on, on her stuff and and look at all of these white space things on, because it's hard and you're, and you're right. It's comical that we have to like, you know, subscribe to white space so we can know how to get that time in our, in our, our day. So Sherry, go ahead. Sorry. I, I yeah, well, just thinking, Megan, so it's a new year, new goals and fresh start. Uh, what sort of goals or things would you say that we could be successful in, in the area of screen time as, as parents, moms, wives? That's how I came into screen time. So I was, Um, trained as a goal researcher. This is where the majority of my research was, was looking at people's goals and how they spent their time in pursuit of those goals. So what were their daily activities to try to reach their goals? Um, And I'll take a a side note here and talk about dieting because people often have goals about dieting. Oh, no, Megan, we're not talking about dieting. I know, I I actually hate (laughs) dieting. But... um, So dieting and weight management, people usually have goals around that. Um, And we have years of research that show that dieting does not work. That if you, you know, especially for teenage girls, if they go on a diet, they are more likely to weigh more at the end in a two-year follow-up than they are to weigh less. Um, and there's a lot of reasons for that. Some of that has to do with biological set points and things like that. Um, some of it has to do with what we call avoidance goals, right? So dieting is an avoidance goal. I'm not going to eat high fat, high sugar things, right? Um, and our willpower is limited. And the more that we try to avoid something, the more it becomes in our mind, like this little board that we want to sneak. And then once we've sneaked Mm -hmm. it, we want to have more, um, and it sets up this whole like good, bad dichotomy and it just, it sets us up for failure. And I feel like that's the way a lot of screen time goals are. I'm going to avoid it. I'm, my kid can't have it. We're not going to do it. And that is willpower, right? That the parent is trying to implement there. And your willpower is so depleted throughout the day by the whining, lovely, adorable, exhausting things that are around you. Um, yeah. And so eventually you give in and then you feel bad about it. And, you know, it's this whole cycle. Um, And so approach goals are things that we're moving towards, things we want to do more, things we identify with, things that are important to us. And they actually did this with dieting. So having a parent who is obese, um, they looked at families that had parents, one, at least one parent was obese. They broke them into two groups um, and they told one set of the families we want you to avoid high fat, high sugar foods. I give them all this information about dieting and high fat, high sugar foods and why they were bad and how they should avoid them. The other set of families, they didn't talk to them about it at all. And instead they talked to them about increasing their fruit and vegetable intake, which is so fun, right? It's even fun for little kids. Like, what is this? This, That's a star fruit. You know, what does that taste like? It's actually not very good, but it just kind of looks neat, you know? So anyways, (laughs) they talked to that, that group of families about eat more fruits and vegetables. They didn't say anything to them about high fat, high sugar foods. Year later, which families were doing better? The families who were told to increase their fruit and vegetable intake. They had increased their fruit and vegetable intake. They had decreased their high fat, high sugar intake, 
without even being told because they were eating more fruits and vegetables. It edged it out. They weren't as hungry. Um, and they weighed less. And so I think we can do the same thing with screen time, especially with our kids. The conversation less around you can't do this and more around what do we want to do more of as a family? What's What do we value? What's really important to us? What can we move towards? And that's what I'm I'm doing with my spoil system, right? Like these are the activities of childhood that we know from hundreds of years of research are really good for kids. Let's do more of that and think more about that and worry less about this. And it kind of edges the screen time out naturally. If you're outside hiking, if your kid is involved in cleaning the house with you on Saturday mornings, like they're not doing screen time, right? So it's just an, it's an after effect, just like yeah. the fruit vegetable study. Yeah. yeah. Did yeah. your kids dread going into this? Like, now do they look forward to it or did they dread it in the beginning and now they're like okay this is just what our crazy family does so my kids are a terrible um case study because they've they they never had screens at all until after the age of five so we we kept them away from them so this was just sort of the way that they were raised now we do a weekly movie night so we have a different thing we do every night of the week because since the pandemic every night feels exactly the same <laughs> so you know wednesdays we go for a walk after they take a bath and they think that that's so exciting it's wednesday walk fridays we have a fire monday we have a movie so it's just one thing it's one way that we relax together after dinner at the end of the day um I don't, I mean, Tiffany Schlein, the, the individual who wrote the book 24-6, she has two teenage daughters. They say that they love it. I, I did a Skype call and one was in the background and they were like, she was like, what do you think about it? And she was like, I can't wait. And she was on her computer doing homework Aww. at the time um, because I think it's naturally reinforcing to have that break once you get, yeah. get in the rhythm of it. Yeah. And this weekend want... I watched, oh, sorry, Patty, go ahead. Well, it just, your kids do want that. When I ask my kids, I have three, you know, what were your fondest memories growing up? It wasn't, we did a Kuna Matata night and that's a whole nother story, but. Uh, uh, we cannot get through one show without talking about sex. Cause that's what it's all about, Megan. Kuna Matata. <laughs> so we did that. Um, and, and so we put them on, on a movie so we could have our time, but they it was we would go camping and when we were out in the desert with there are you know dune bikes and quads and it was the fire it, even even doing all of the writing in the dunes it was that fire time sitting around the campfire and mm. talking and having those conversations and i now i look back and go i wish i wish we did more of just let's go sit outside and create that ambiance of a fire and, and do that rather than let's do movie night, let's do movie night, let's, you know, and yeah. they, they really are craving that family time uh, yeah. around. So uh, all of you listeners that are just going guilt, 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 that's what we're trying to do here, right? We're trying to do that, avoid this. <laughs> yeah, start now. Well, you know, for those of us who have adult kids, uh, then Megan, so say, you know, your family's all together for the holidays or a function, a gathering, and now your adult kids, because you weren't good at doing this, you know, as a young mom, you just kind of screwed up. So now your adult kids, they bring their phones to the table and, you know, and they're on, the, they're on them and you don't want them to be on them. But when you 
bring it up, you're met with defensiveness like, hello, uh, yeah, I need this because that's my whole world because you know it literally, it literally is glued and attached to their hand. It does not leave their hand. So, I mean, help, 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 help us out, Megan. What, what are we supposed to do? <laughs> I, you know, and that's another thing, another type of goal. So there's certain goals that are individual, like we can, we can reach them on our own, right? So we can, um, maybe I'm going to run a certain number of days a week. I really don't need anybody else's involvement in that, right? Like I can, I can just do that. Um, but then there's other goals, maybe more valuable goals that are shared. I can't do them unless other people participate in them with me. Like I can't have a good marriage, I, unless my husband is a part of it with me. Um, we can't have a really great friendship unless we all really want it. We all have to participate. We all work on the goal and we all get the outcome of the goal. Um, and so with screen time, a lot of the goals have been individual and it's sort of me versus you, right? So I'm going to place this limit on you, kid, um, and because I don't want you to do that versus a shared goal of let's all do this together. Like this will be a fun way of doing things. And so once you're already in it, I think it is it is a little more dicey there. Um, but I love the rules of we're not gonna bring it to the table and I'm not gonna do it either. And I think some of it's modeling and you sort of kind of have to wait for those kids to join you on, the, on your modeling journey of like, you know what? I've been on my phone so much today. I'm so sorry, guys. Um, I'm going to put it away. I'm going to make sure I don't have it at the dinner table because I really want to pay attention to you. And you hope that eventually, once they're, you know, that they're going to join you on that journey, or at least they're going to feel respected. If it's really coming from a genuine place, they're going to feel respected that you really want to pay attention to them um, and that you know it's distracting. I think some of the defensiveness comes from because we feel bad because it's so distracting. Because what Patty was talking about with movie night, She's her brain is looking for those little dopamine hits of when I update my feed, maybe somebody is going to have messaged me. Maybe somebody is maybe there's going to be a great email from and every time there is, there's a dopamine hit. And the most reinforcing type is when it's intermittent. Sometimes it happens. Sometimes it doesn't. It's like a slot machine. Um, and so we're all subject to that. And so we feel guilty when we realize shoot, I've been doing that and somebody called me on it. Um, but that's how it's designed. We can be mad at them for that. We can be mad at the designers of the platforms who are pulling us away yeah. from our families. Right. Yeah. yeah, I can't help it that I'm so popular and I get deep. <laughs> I can't help it that that dopamine is just like better than the movie that I'm watching. So. Well, uh, I think what's interesting is this weekend, I was in California with my grandkids, my five-year-old granddaughter, it's her birthday. And in the morning, she's on her iPad because mom's busy getting everything ready for the party. She's on her iPad. She's playing roadblocks. And she has a meltdown in the middle of it. And we go running in. What happened? I can't figure this out. Meltdown. And we both went, oh, my God. What have we done wrong with this child? And then fast forward two hours later, there's no electronics anywhere. And the girls, because it was pouring rain, they couldn't go outside. We hooked up musical hula hoops. So instead of musical chairs, we had musical hula hoops. And let me just tell you, those little girls were screaming and laughing. And they thought that was so much fun. So I think it's interesting that even in adult children, when we used to get all my nieces and nephews and everybody together, all adults, we, everybody might be in separate corners in the house on their phones or watching a football game or whatever. But when I say, hey, you guys want to play left, right, center, uh, everything goes away. All the electronics go away. The TV goes off 
and we sit down and we actually interact with each other. It's so interesting. And they're thrilled at that point. So I love what you said. Just rather than don't, it's, hey, why don't we let? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I love that. And I, I like to think of myself as like a one woman warrior against persuasive design. And that's exactly what you're talking about is I can make my house more interesting than that stupid game, whether it is hula hoops or but And that's like such a fun way to parent instead of thinking I have to limit it. But like, how can I make my house really fun? What are the things that I can set up for my kids to do together or for all of us to do um, and show them that, hey, it's actually more fun than this frustrating game yeah. that you're playing. So give us, give us some tips. We, yeah. we have this last nine minutes. Um, what are some things? Like, I love that hula hoop idea, Debbie. I know uh, my family was just over the other day and I was pulling out, there were big gamers and we, you know, they, they play yachts, especially right now with during COVID, Yahtzee, all the card games. I mean, hours and hours that we're, we're doing this. But the other day we had other people over and beyond my kids and I was pulling out all the games. And the next thing I know, they're all sitting around the table and they're playing a game with the with their um, with their phones, yeah. or whatever, which was fun. It was very interactive, yeah. but it made me laugh because I was like, here I am. You know, I feel like grandma pulling out card games. <laughs> and they're over there. <laughs> so what what are some great because that is what yours are very science based Mm -hmm. um activities and we would love like top five tips for games that are yes yeah that's what we do on on screen free parenting we are trying to be like louder than persuasive design of like here's five things to do with your kid when you're zooming that are not you know a zoom meeting here's five things to do with your kid when you're taking a shower here's 20 things to do while you take um while you make dinner you know because there is there's so many other things but they just take a little bit longer to set up sometimes yeah, yeah. um mm -hmm. and i and I would like to say, once your kids get used to it, that the screen, you know, is only at a set time of day or time of week or whatever, they don't have it, they will get into things so quickly and they don't need you to do anything. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they make big, my kids are make a fort every mm -hmm. single day. It is so messy at my house all the time. <laughs> every day, all the furniture is moved around and I'm like, fine, that's, that's fine, yeah. you know. Um, they love to play board games. We And I make sure that those things are all accessible for them. We have a huge collection of board games. They're out um, with little kids. I'm a big fan of audiobooks and books for them to just dig through. So if you can't read to them like you're making dinner, that's a good time to put on a podcast, a story podcast. Um, that's that's for little kids or an audiobook that you get from the library on CD that they can listen to. Um, so you can't read, but you can both sit there and listen and talk. And that's great. Audiobooks are great for kids. Um, I like to play with my kids just um, joining whatever it is that they're doing and being an, an obnoxious child. That's that's yeah. the role that I play. So she's like, do you want to play school, mom? And you can be the bad kid. And I'm like, yes. I am so <laughs> More than I, anything, I want to do that. Uh, Megan, so how, how old are your kids? How old are your kids? My son just turned six and my daughter is eight. So they're still younger. So yeah. there you are really molding them. Um, I feel like I would probably still be married if I <laughs> didn't wake up in the middle of the night with pause and I immediately go to my phone to play bingo 
or uh, slot machines, not a lie, um, or little building. I, I mean, seriously, and I can do that for three or four hours in the middle of the night, which yeah. is why I don't sleep because I go immediately back to that. So it doesn't matter how old we are. We are still, we're all doing this. Yeah. Well, one of the things Megan said, which I, I think is a huge tip as a mom, we've gotten to where everything has to be so Pinterest perfect in our homes yeah. and we don't want somebody to, and that's the thing, let them do the forts. I know my mom, there were six kids. I'm the baby of six and she would give us each this huge, you remember the butcher paper that you would wrap? Mm -hmm. in? She would go, I don't know if she asked the butcher, but we had rolls of that. <laughs> And she would cut us off each a square and give us markers and do Hot Wheels. Hot Wheels ran down our hallway. It went over, you know, couches. And we had these Hot Wheels cars and we could build a village. And she would let us keep that thing out for a month. So yeah. we keep adding trees on the butcher paper. You know, I mean, poster board is cheap, right? And we got to build our own house and park the cars in this house. But I, I really do think one of the keys is letting your house just get messy. Yeah. 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 And I, I don't want people to think that if you screen, if you parent without screens, that you have to be setting things up all the time because you don't. Your kids get used to it and they come up with stuff to do on their own. I play with my kids maybe 10 to 20% of their day because I'm I'm working and my husband yeah. is working too. Um, so it's not like I'm always setting up century bins and building things with them, but that little bit of time that I spend with them helps them build their ideas of what right. they want to play. And you know what, that, that butcher paper thing, that's what Amazon puts in a lot of the boxes it's like wrapped around your oh, stuff. Yeah. We, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we pull that apart and roll it up and save it because the kids use it for all sorts of stuff. Um, and, and it comes in your Amazon box, which we get way too many of, and we're trying to not do so much, but, <laughs> but we have a lot of butcher paper. So that's a good thing in boxes. The kids and Amazon boxes. Yeah. 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 Amazon boxes are amazing to build things yeah. with. Yeah. Again, I think I want to live at your house because I think your house sounds really fun. I love <laughs> you said um, Monday movie, uh, Wednesday walk, Friday fire. I think that's so awesome. Will you give us also one more time um, your spoil? Uh, what did you call it? Or what do you, a mnemonic? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep, the spoiled mnemonic. So that it's it's really broad and really easy. But if you think about what can I do with my kid today, those are the five categories of activities that are most closely associated with positive child development. So social activities, that's you playing with them, them playing with you, going to church, all those things where they're interacting socially, play-based activities. So that's the you know, butcher block paper and the cardboard boxes and the plain teacher and mommy and all those sorts of things. That's how they, the, the best thing that they can do for brain development and preparing themselves for school too. Um, outdoor activities, like that's a great mood changer in my house. Okay, all right, all right, we're all getting outside. Come on, time to go for a walk, time to go. Yeah. You guys, yeah, or you guys go outside. I have stuff to do. Yeah. We're being loud, yeah. get in the yard, right? Um, and it does, it changes the mood. It's good for their eyes. It's good for their body. It's it's relaxing for everyone. Um, independent work. I'm a big proponent of chores for children. They should be doing chores every day. They should be helping you clean up. 
Um, this is family teamwork, right? So this is a shared goal. We have this house and we all take care of it together. We have this laundry and we all fold each other's clothes. Not just you're responsible for your room, but we're responsible for each other. Um, and homework falls into the category of independent work too. And literacy-based activities, having them page through books, you reading aloud to them, listening to books on CDs. Um, when I had my second child that we spent some time turning little closets into reading nooks, like here's where you can hang out when I'm putting the baby down, you know, and it, it has books on CD and it has books you can page through and this is really fun and this is your own neat little space. So really broad, parents can do a variety of different things within them, whatever works for their personality. But those are the things that they're kind of the big rocks. You want to put them in first before the screen time and all the other little stuff. Make sure those big rocks happen every day. Um, and then you can worry a little less about the screen time. Yeah. Did you grow up in a home like this where you guys were all really active with each other? Um, yes, I'm one of four kids. Our parents, it was just TV when I was a kid. There was no internet. There wasn't, you know, like that wasn't the thing. There was no internet. I try to explain that to my kids all the time. They're like, yeah, what? what? You know, yeah. We tried to talk to them about the home phone and like how you didn't know who was calling you. And they were like, <laughs> why? Why didn't you know who was calling you? Um, so, you know, I didn't, we just had TV. My And my parents did limit it. Um, they blocked certain content. They blocked certain channels and things. Um, and they didn't allow us to do it at certain times of the day. It was more like something you did, you know, at night or when you were sick. Other times it was like, get out of the house. Um, so they, they were limiting. And parents always worry about that. Well, what if I limit? Then aren't my kids just going to go crazy? Um, and I there's probably a period where they do, you know, when they're in college or whatever. And then they get back to the values that they had when they were kids because those made sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Megan, we have, uh, I can't believe this hour has just, um, no. I appreciate that you have been on um, with us and we just want to thank everyone for being a part of our show today. It truly is an honor for us to be in this together. Please subscribe to Girlfriend It on Apple Podcasts or tell Alexa to do it for you. Um, our big takeaway today is, uh, Megan, you had this posted on your um, site. So if you want to find out more activities and tips, you can get onto Facebook. It's Megan Owens. And then from there, you can um, follow her. Uh, she does a blog. But you had posted childhood creativity in the U.S. has been declining. So I just want to challenge everybody out there. What can we do personally to help the next generation to be innovative and foster that creativity? So thank you. And until next time. Best tips for life. Find us on Facebook at Girlfriend It. Hit subscribe to iTunes or toginet.com. 